Kitchen Brain Podcast is brought to you by Be Better Culinary Perspectives, life and leadership coaching. My name is Mike Matarazzo. I'm a chef, a certified life coach, and founder of Be Better Culinary Perspectives and Chefs for Change. I help hospitality professionals and service professionals find balance and direction while maintaining positive leadership. Through my practice, I offer one-on-one coaching sessions where my clients and I develop a co-creative relationship that helps them find the answers to their most challenging life questions. I've come up with a variety of different plan options to fit any schedule or budget, and have even designed a text coaching plan that puts me in your pocket. We could all use a little extra support and guidance now more than ever. To find out how a coaching relationship can help you, visit our website, BeBetterCP.com, or send me an email at MichaelM at BeBetterCP.com. We work so hard to serve others. It's about time we start serving ourselves. Kitchen Brain. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Kitchen Brain Podcast. Today on Kitchen Brain, I have a local Charlottesville chef uh, and, and owner, Harrison Keevil. Um, Harrison Keevil is kind of a, a, I guess, a household name here in Charlottesville. Uh, Charlottesville native, uh, UVA graduate, and entrepreneur for, for many years in the area. Uh, former owner of Brookville and also Keevil and Keevil Grocery, and now uh, the chef owner of Multiverse Kitchens, which is a pretty unique and incredible concept that uh, I, I was excited about from from the time I heard about it. Uh, and I've I've wanted to have have I've wanted to have Harrison on the show for quite a while now, and uh, finally we're here and and talking. So. Uh, Harrison, welcome to Kitchen Brain. Thanks for taking some time today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a, a whole lot to talk about here. You're doing some pretty incredible and I think uh, innovative, groundbreaking things with your, your new concept here. Um, so I, I want to kind of set the stage here. Uh, you're, you're a longtime uh, restaurateur in Charlottesville. Uh, you know, you didn't, didn't start as a, as a chef. You kind of... Uh, kind of like me, you kind of started a little later, um, you know, falling in love with food and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so give us, give us a little bit of quick background for anybody who's not familiar. Uh, well, I'm born and bred in Goochland County, uh, where I kind of grew up working on horse farms, cattle farms, hay farms. Uh, then I went up to Episcopal high school in Alexandria, and then that got me to UVA. Uh, which was my dream school ever since I was a little kid. Uh, It was at UVA when I started to kind of dabble in the kitchen with um, working at some restaurants, being a dishwasher, kind of starting at the bottom, just looking at it. And then uh, after graduation, thinking that I had to kind of go in the more traditional route, uh, moved to London and became a research assistant for a member of parliament. Um, kind of doing everything from get coffee to help write speeches to going and seeing and um, sitting in cabinet meetings and all sorts of interesting things. But it's when I was in London that I kind of fell in love with food. Um, I got to go to Marcus Waring, which was then Petrus in Knightsbridge, and they brought us back into the kitchen. It was the first time I ever got to see a professional kitchen. Um, and it was that moment that I kind of realized that this is what I wanted to do. So just dove, dove in full force. Yeah. I mean, I knew from a young age, I love cooking for people and it, it, it allows me to make people smile. So I just wanted to kind of spread my joy of life through food and allow me to take care of people through something that I feel like I do pretty well. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely can, uh, can vouch for the doing it very well part. Um, we'll, we'll talk about your menu here in, in a few minutes, but, um, so, uh, Charlottesville, you, you had, uh, Brookville and Keevil and Keevil. 
Um, so I've, I've only been in Charlottesville for uh, seven years, a little over seven years now. Uh, so I'm kind of late to the party with, with uh, the history of, of restaurants and the food scene. Um, what I do know is from my perspective, uh, I knew a lot about Kievel and Kievel, uh, you know, great reputation within the community. Um, the pandemic hit and used to that, that was kind of around the time when I really started following you and, and around the time uh, when I think we, we actually met and, and started talking was, was somewhere around the, the early stages of the pandemic, maybe a little bit before that. Um, and you actually brought food to my team uh, at Farmington, which was awesome. Um, and, and you started to do a lot of that. What, what were you doing during the pandemic? Um, because I feel like there was maybe a shift in your thought process uh, and direction there, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. It was, it was really about taking care of people through food. Um, and we provided free meals for, um, those who needed one. We were kind of, I look at it as we were, we were kind of a bandaid helping out because we were able to be open. And there's so many great organizations in Charlottesville that, that do feed the food insecure that during that time, we just felt that we were able to kind of pop in and do what we could to just help, um, get through the worst of it. And we utilized local farms for all our ingredients um, and kind of just shut down Kivo and Kivo. It became a production kitchen for uh, delicious, nutritious meals for those who needed them uh, to kind of just help those amazing groups that are already in Charlottesville doing amazing things to help the, the community. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I really had a, a, a lot of admiration and, and inspiration from watching everything that you uh you were doing during that time i i think it's really cool uh that you stepped up like that uh, in the community um so a lot of people closed uh during the pandemic um many of them forever uh, a lot of people were scared away from the hospitality industry and the profession uh, a lot of people you know just thought it was a good time to, to take a step in a different direction. You decided to open a new restaurant, <laughs> which um, really kind of blows my mind. Um, so what, what happened? What, what was going on in your head? I mean, what made you say, you know, it's time for something new and I don't care what's going on around me. I know I can make this successful and I'm going to, I'm going to push for it. I think it was a, it was a bunch of different factors. It was the pandemic showing us what within our industry is broken. The fact that people aren't getting paid enough, the people that, that, that people feel that they're being abused. And it really, it really brought a lot of, it, it exposed a lot of things that needed to be fixed within our industry. So the first thing was I wanted to try and create something that was good for the people that worked for me, good for the people that we fed, and good for our business as well, um, because oh, as well as being good for the farmers, because we do still source majority of our food locally. So I wanted to create something that could benefit everyone and be just mutually beneficial. I we were we were in the process of closing down Keeble and Keeble because our lease was up. So it was kind of what's next. And then I had a, a personal tragedy where I lost my father, and it really had me focus on what I need to do in order to be the best version of myself for my wife, for my kids, for the customers I serve. And we kind of came up with something that's a little outside the box and are trying to capture the, the, the norms that have changed through COVID, whether it be through uh, curbside pickup or, utilization of third-party delivery apps by customers. We just want to be able to feed people within our community outside of our four walls, because that ultimately is the only way that I believe businesses, uh, restaurant businesses will succeed. You've got to figure out how to make money outside your four walls. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I think it's fascinating. And, and I, I think you, you set an example for a lot of restaurateurs, in my opinion. Every time that I have spoken to you uh, and everything that you've just said uh, about your motivation to, to push forward and, and start a new concept, 
there's very little in there about the benefit to Harrison Keevil uh, financially, you know, or, um, you know, how you're going to survive through all of this. Um, yeah, I think it's important to highlight and for people listening, uh, especially if you're a restaurateur thinking about it, uh, the driving force between a winning formula that that uh, Harrison has uh, most often is having the public and the customer in mind um, first and foremost. And and I, I get that from you every time that we talk that you are you are doing what you do because you love serving others it's not it's not the means of survival that's first and foremost your your decisions seem to be driven by who comes in the door and how you can take care of them uh and how you could reach the community and and i think that's awesome man um and and inspiring and and an example for a lot of people who unfortunately have not gotten on board yet uh with that mindset um, yeah it's it's it, sorry to interject but no no go ahead it's it's Yes, we are a business and yes, we are looking to make money, but if I can take care of my employees, I'll have the best team that I can have and they will cook the best product that we can get from the farmers and we will give the customers the best food that we can give and that will ultimately have the business survive. So if we can take care of our employees, our farmers and our customers, the rest will come. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned too, uh, with regard to the employees, um, you know, some, some environments out there that are, are, are not known for treating people well. I mean, our industry, let's face it, is, doesn't uh, have the hospitality reputation behind the curtain uh, the way that it does in the front of the curtain. Um, so what, what is it? I mean, I know I've been to Multiverse a couple of times now, and I can tell, I think we can all tell within 10 minutes or so of speaking to a staff member at any establishment whether or not they're happy where they are. And it's uh, it's very apparent that your team is very happy to be where they are and very uh, supportive um, of of everything that you're doing. So, what what is your formula there? What what do you do? What have you done um, to to ensure uh, an incredible work environment? Well, the first thing is I hire based on my gut. If I like you, if you come in and we we just get along, I don't do long interviews. I do kind of fifteen minute interviews. And if you're a good person, we can go from there. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take care of you. And while I'm taking care of you, I'll teach you. So we pay $18 an hour to start. Uh, we offer three, four day work weeks. Um, so to allow people to have kind of longer weekends, uh, we have some of our executive team uh, works remotely uh, because they're able to, and it allows us because of the, the digital aspects of our business. It allows us to really have them focus on that in an environment in which they can focus. Um, so really, we're just trying to take care of our team. Uh, we will, after employees have been here for three months, or yeah, three months, uh, they'll start accruing paid time off. Um, we're figuring out how to get in uh, insurance eventually. So hopefully within the next year, we'll be able to offer insurance to those who want insurance. So we just want to create an environment that people can live and really when they're allowed to do that they can focus on doing the best that they can every day because they want to be here that, that's what i that's what i try to achieve i try to achieve an environment in which people want to come and they don't feel uh it's not like some of those days where you're walk when we were younger when you're walking to work and you're like oh god i hope chef's not there tonight and stuff like that i don't want them to be scared of me i want them to know that i respect them and i appreciate them with everything that I've got. Uh, so I am fiercely loyal. And if you can prove to me that you want to be here, I will take care of you. Yeah, that, that's such a refreshing, um, such a refreshing outlook. Uh, when, you know, when you talk about you, you don't want the team to be scared of you. And I think we, we all know that feeling when you're working on your station and you're very relaxed and doing what you're doing. And then the chef walks in and you kind of, uh, tighten up a little bit and, you know, feel a little unsure of everything you're doing at that moment. Um, I, I recently, uh, and, and some, some chefs out there think that this is crazy, but, 
there, I have had a couple of employees who are fairly newer uh, and came from kind of a different environment than we have at Farmington, uh, who would just relentlessly uh, say, yes, chef. After every three words I said, it was, yes, yes, chef, yes, chef, yes, chef. Uh, and it made me crazy. You know, like it, I, I don't like people to be submissive around me. You know, uh, I feel like we're, we spend so many hours working together that uh, we should enjoy being with each other and, and not have that kind of submissive aspect of the relationship. Um, so yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, man, make them as comfortable uh, as possible. Like it's a home away from home. Um, that that's, that's, that's awesome stuff. Um, so let's talk about multiverse because this is, this is a fascinating, uh, fascinating concept. Um, why don't you just walk me through, uh, how, what was the day? Was there a day when you just had an epiphany? Like, what if we just did all these concepts under one roof? Uh, how did you come to this and, and kind of describe what you're doing there? I feel like it was, it was October, 2020. It was about a month after my dad passed and I was just sitting at Keeble and Keeble. We had just put out our meals and I'm focusing on, okay, really got to think about what's coming next. Uh, we've got about six months until our lease is up. We need to start thinking now. And it just really popped into my head. It's, it's utilizing all these ingredients. You can cook them in a million ways. So at Keeble and Keeble, we were offering delivery dinners and our dinners were kind of hitting different zines. And I just thought, well, one, this is kind of confusing. You have multiple different cuisines on one menu. But why couldn't we create an infinite number of options or concepts utilizing one ingredient base, utilizing one kitchen, one staff, um, and just produce multiple different concepts using, utilizing one ingredient base is really what it comes down to and creating dishes that are delivery friendly, kind of realizing that the delivery market is, is, is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and people are utilizing it and finding out how much easier it's getting and it gets easier as DoorDash and Grubhub and Toast and all these companies start realizing and focusing that, that, that if they invest in that aspect of their businesses, makes it easier for the customer, which makes it better for us and allows us to get our food to a much bigger radius than we would have had we just been a restaurant on the downtown mall. So it, it, that's kind of where it started. And then we just started testing concepts, testing what dishes traveled well. We would have our friends order our fried chicken and I would ask them afterwards, did it get you hot? How was the packaging? And eventually we came across a space at the end of Allied Street in Charlottesville um, we have amazing landlords in Woodard properties and we built out a kitchen, created a line that would allow us to cook a huge amount of food, but utilizing a smaller staff as well. So we really focus on prepping and making sure we have our backups ready. And if we do that, we can produce an infinite number of food with a very small staff, um, thus allowing us to offer more days off and allowing us to offer better wages because we're able to essentially produce eight restaurants worth of food off of one line. Yeah. So essentially you, you've taken the concept of a physical food hall where there are separate uh, counters or kiosks or whatever with different concepts in them uh but you've combined it to all come out of one kitchen so somebody can call and order uh delivery of uh the the six concepts that you currently have and get them all delivered at the same time from the same place um that's i'm i'm, I'm on the right track there right yeah that that is correct we also have our individual concepts on doordash and grubhub and eventually we'll get them on uber eats so in theory, we will have upwards of 30 storefronts or locations, whether it be physical or digital, where customers can find our food and it all comes off of one line and it all gets picked up in one location. Wow. Um, and the biggest thing is we own all the concepts. All the concepts are ours. 
Um, sometimes with these kiosks or ghost kitchens, you have multiple owners uh, of different concepts on one line. We actually own all the concepts. We, we've created all the logos, created all the brands, created all the menus. Um, and we really, it, it allows us to even create more brands that are 100% ghost brands that we can put on third-party apps that we're cooking here. And you might not necessarily be able to get them when you come into to multiverse at the kiosk. It, it's a digital only thing. Um, so we really have an infinite possibility, hence the multiverse name um, uh, of, of utilizing the same ingredients to cook it God knows how many ways. Okay, so that yeah, that's where so the chef and me, um, I, I get a little anxiety because I keep hearing you say more more concepts and more uh, possibilities and less staff and more days off, and my head is is feeling a lot of pressure right now. So what what is it? What's what's the thought process or the mentality that enables you to do all that? I mean, I picture. Uh, a walk-in the size of a, a trailer to to hold all your food. How how do you do all of these things and still deliver on the uh, less staff, less hours, all that kind of stuff? It's systems. It's all systems. It's utilizing a corporate mentality to produce a, a local product um, and making sure that we have an ingredient base and we bring in, if we're going to bring in an ingredient, we need to know that we are able to cook that five or six different ways or utilize it five or six different ways. We're not gonna bring in an ingredient to use just once. Um, so whether it's our chicken that we use fried chicken or uh, chicken breasts for our sandwiches and wraps, we could use those chicken breasts to create chicken parm. And it really isn't that much more prep and it's, taking the already sliced breasts and breading them, pre-breading them. So when that we have a pickup, it's a 10 minute pickup. It's, it's just making sure that we have a line that's capable of cooking that much volume, which we do with our ovens and our grills and fryers and all of that stuff. And then making sure that we've placed all the ingredients in the right spot on the line and these them out correctly so that we're maximizing our efficiencies within our own body and we're taking less steps to produce more food. So it's really, it's really all about the systems. That's awesome. That, that's, that's really cool. Uh, I want to talk about one of those utilization items because it's my favorite <laughs> on the menu and you know, you know what I'm going to yeah. say. Uh, I have to, I have to say, uh, so the, let's start with the, the, the mother clucker, chicken sandwich. I know you do other chicken sandwiches, but as far as uh, straightforward, uh, beautiful, properly done fried chicken sandwiches go, hands down, uh, the best chicken sandwich in, in the area. Um, I appreciate that very much. Now you take your, and, and correct me, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out your, your, your process here, but you, you take your chicken thighs that you get locally, um, and you produce one of the greatest things that I've ever eaten uh, with the skin, and you make chicken skin sliders. Um, and these things, I saw you post these on Instagram uh, when you were doing your R and D, uh, and it was it was almost my favorite thing I'd ever eaten before I had ever eaten it. Just seeing <laughs> it uh, on Instagram, um, I it, it's it's. It's a brilliant, brilliant little slider. Um, so what, what is your style? What's your philosophy when you're developing and you're R&Ding your dishes? Uh, and typically Kitchen Brain's not a food show, but um, what, what's your process uh, and what excites you? What kind of ideas excite you? What, what, how would you characterize that? I think it's how much can I take away from a dish to make it better? and utilizing as little as possible to create that dish. So that's one of the ways that we're able to produce a, a, a large variety of items is that we're letting the ingredients shine because we're bringing in the best that we can and we're just doing a little bit to it. So we bring in bone in skin on chicken thighs from Shenandoah Valley Organics that we get through 4P Foods here in Charlottesville. 
we take the uh, the bones, we make stock, and we have one of our sub brands, sub brands, Commonwealth Broth Company, that's just sitting in the freezer. So one of our brands is just literally sitting in the freezer. We don't have to prep or do anything. They can just grab it and go. We take the then uh, skinless thighs, uh, sorry, and we bread them and fry them for our mother clucker, for our chicken and waffle. Um, we utilize them for other sandwiches. And then we take the skins and we brine them and we then toss them in our, our flour mix and we fry them and serve them on a Martin's potato roll with pickle and Duke's mayonnaise. Um, so it's really, what can I do to highlight a dish by putting the least amount of ingredients on that dish as possible? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't need any more. Um, it's, it's dangerous. The, the chicken skin sliders are dangerous. Uh, and then the, so you, you have uh, Brookville biscuit and brunch, uh, firebox, foul mouth chicken, Keevil tea room, long strange chip, uh, which the, the cookies are, are crazy. I, these kind of blew my mind too, because I wasn't expecting, you know, everybody who's from Charlottesville knows Keevil and Keevil's cookies. Uh, and I believe they started at Brookville actually. Oh, they started at Brookville. Yeah. They started at Brookville and then my wife's recipe. Yeah. That's, that's what I had heard. It's, uh, it's her, her brainchild. Um, but these are enormous cookies and I'll be honest with you. I, I, when, when, when I first saw them, when they first came out of the oven, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if, if that is the kind of cookie that I go for and man, like mind-blowing uh experience with these things they're 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 absolutely enormous um and definitely have to try them they're always hot right they arrive to you hot. yeah we uh we have it developed so they they're baked to order so they get to you if you order them for delivery um in theory they should get to you like a, a hot box of crispy creams still warm still soft in the center but even if they're cold uh the next day they're they're we just have developed the, the the dough in such a way that it it's just delicious. It's got a perfect mixture of crispy and soft batch with a chocolate or filling to dough ratio that is pretty intense. Yeah, almost should be illegal. There's so much chocolate in this thing. It's 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 absolutely incredible. Uh, totally shifted my my brain on what a, a great cookie should be. Uh, and then smashing salads is another one. Uh, I didn't I didn't put smashing salads last because I rather have fried chicken sliders and, and, uh, and chocolate chip cookies. It just, that's how it was on my list. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so all these concepts, all this craziness going on, um, it's, it's really awesome stuff. Now, somewhat recently, a few weeks back, um, you put, uh, kind of a public service announcement on Instagram and, it was kind of focused at the um, the issue of of customers coming in and some people having issues with the prices. Uh, and this is not something that's far into I think any small business or small restaurateur. Um, and and you responded to that I thought very eloquently and professionally and uh, in a way that educated people on on how things are, uh, especially in the small business and local scene. Um, can you, can you talk to me about that and kind of, because I think a lot of people have trouble with this messaging. I think a lot of people decide to just become, uh, unproductively defensive about this instead of taking the approach that you took, uh, and, and kind of really trying to make it something that people can learn from and understand. Um, tell me about that and, and, and what triggered that. Uh, it, it, there were, we were just getting inundated with anonymous messages or tweets or whatever. Um, just people being like, how could you charge that much for a pancake? How can you charge that much for a cookie? And I really just wanted to explain to people why we charge what we charge. And it, it really is, we're paying our staff as, as best we can. Uh, we don't ask for tips. So we're, we're trying to do this without having to have any hidden, hidden fees for the customers. So what they see on the board when they come in is what they're going to pay. Uh, we are bringing in the best ingredients that we can. We're working with local farmers. 
I would say about 75% of our menu is sourced from the state of Virginia and all the other stuff that we bring in is still high quality um, ingredients. Uh, we have pretty big portion sizes. So that, that I think is the, the, the thing. If somebody comes in and tries it, it's like, okay, my BFP, which is our pancake, is $14 because it's, it's a 10 inch by two inch thick pancake that we serve with a cup of the best maple syrup from Highland County, Virginia that you can get, which is more expensive per in its weight and volume ratio than most kind of high end ingredients. So that's why we do it. And then the, the, the final thing is we're a business. So we need to be able to make a profit um, in order to succeed, in order to survive uh, forever, indefinitely. Um, if we're not making enough money to pay our employees, our overhead, uh, we won't survive. So we have to ask what we believe is a fair price for the, the items that we sell. Yeah, amen. Um... I, so do you do you feel that your sense of empowerment to send that message uh, very openly um, is is a recent sense um, because of the way things are shifting? Like, would you would you have put that message out there 10 years ago? I probably wouldn't have put it out there so eloquently. But I think one thing that we wanted to do with multiverse is just have transparency. That's why we have an open kitchen. That's why I can see smiles. People can tell me if they like something, if they don't like something. But we want to be completely honest with our customers, with our staff, that they know where the ingredients are coming from. We're not pulling the wool over their eyes. If we're saying we're getting our chicken from Shenandoah Valley Organic, we're getting it from Shenandoah Valley Organic, and we're not supplementing with something else. Um, we want them to really just know that we are being honest with them and that they can trust us and that we are going to work as hard as we can to make sure that the food that they eat is as delicious as we can make it. Because ultimately food is a subjective and there are going to be people that aren't going to like it. and There's just nothing we can do about it. But if they don't like it because they don't like it, that's okay. That's just, that's just their taste. Um, but I want to make sure that they know that even if they don't like it, we put in the same amount of effort to produce that sandwich for them as somebody who did like it. Um, so they can at least respect the fact that we're trying our best, even if they don't like something. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, you know, the, I think the education um, of diners needs to improve. I think the, to some degree, the expectation of diners needs to improve, especially now. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily want to call it education because I don't want to talk like I'm preaching. It's just, this is kind of how we do it. And it, it, we will put that out there. And if a customer likes it, they can come in and support us. If they don't like it, that's totally okay. We, we aren't going to be for everyone. And that is something that I've learned through many, many years in this industry that there are just going to be people that aren't going to dig it. And that's okay. But I want them to know that we are working our butts off and they can at least respect us. Um, for doing what we're doing, even if they, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so with, you know, now, you know, coming, coming uh, off the heels of the pandemic, I mean, we're still kind of in it, but um, I think things have simmered down a little bit to allow us to be able to do some of the things we did. We were left with a wake of, of new issues, um, staffing issues, uh, and, and now supply chain challenges. Um, what, what's your perspective on that? I, I, I hear, I, I see people asking questions like, um, you know, does, should businesses go back to being closed? Um, you know, two days a week, restaurant, restaurant businesses. Um, you know, what, what do you think it is? Do you think this is something that should go back to the way it was for our benefit? Or maybe this is a good thing that, you know, we need to look at and potentially change I, moving forward. I honestly think that just people need to be willing to adapt, whether it's the chef, whether it's the customer. If you can't get a certain ingredient in that week, you just got to be honest and say, hey, guys, couldn't get this in. Got to take it off the menu. 
we'll get it back as soon as we can. Even if it's like your most popular dish, you just got to be honest with the customer. If you can't get a certain packaging in, you just got to find the next best thing. And just, you just got to, you got to get through, you got to make do. If you, if you love this industry, you're going to do whatever you can to feed your customers because that's ultimately what we do is why we do what we do is to, to make people happy through our cooking. So if, if we can't get a packaging, we're going to find the next best thing so that we don't lose quality as it travels. Uh, we're going to find the next best ingredient that we can to maybe supplement and put something else awesome on the menu. And then I'm just never going to complain because I love this industry so, so much that I'll never ask my staff to work more than they have to, but I'll come in like I do at four, four thirty in the morning and I'll work till nine o'clock because I really, really love doing it. And I'm not going to complain a day. Yes. I'll get tired. Yes. I'll get grumpy. And yes, my wife will hear me complain maybe about being tired, but I'm still going to get up the next day because I have a job to do. And my job is to, to put smiles on people's faces and, and fill their stomachs so they can get through the day, they can get through lunch, they can go and see their kid play soccer and then know that they can pick up a meal on the way home and not have to spend 30 minutes cooking a meal and they can just sit down and eat and talk about the day with their kids and their family. So really it's just, for me, I'm just gonna put my head down and I'm gonna do what I do and I'm gonna get through this no matter what happens. And I'm gonna have a team around me that will help me when I need them. And I have to also not be afraid to ask for help when I need it. Yeah. Good. Good for you, man. Uh, you know, season two of kitchen brain, um, I, I explained in, in episode one, uh, has a, a, you know, pretty strong presence of, of mental health talk. Um, because I feel like that's something that, that we all need a little bit more of, uh, these days. So, you know, with, with your determination, uh, you know, we, we are service professionals. We serve others at, at all costs. Um, we make sure that we can provide the experience that we, we said that we were going to provide. We're dedicated to that. Um, through all of your years of serving others, providing great experiences for people, building these concepts, um, how how has your journey been with regard to mental health? Um, how 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 was it? How has it changed? Who takes care of Harrison Keeble? I mean, first and foremost, I have my wife. Knowing that I have Jennifer at home, taking care of our girls, organizing life there, so I can know that I have food when I get home. That's that's the biggest thing. First and foremost, is Jennifer. I know that I have someone at home that's got my back. Will be there every time I come home, who will listen to me, bitch, who will listen to me, cheer, will put me in my place when I need to be put in place. So that's first and foremost, uh, it's Jennifer. Uh, and then I need to take care of myself as well. So I started seeing therapists. And when Jennifer and I had some issues in our relationship, we decided to work on it, go see a therapist. and. Luckily, that helped me for when my father passed away. I could go back to that therapist and just find a way to be honest, to get the things off my chest that I needed to get off my chest. And knowing that there's, there's no, I don't want to, there's no negatives to going and seeing a therapist if you need to talk to someone. Finding someone, and it may take a little while to find the right person that you trust and right. that understands your personality and is quirky. We found this great doctor who's super quirky and outside the box thinker, and it worked for us. And it worked for me when I needed it personally. And just understanding that every day, if you're sad, you can be sad and feel being sad. If you're happy, feel being happy, feel your emotions. And if you need help, ask because I guarantee you there's someone out there who will listen to you and who will help you if not just be a shoulder to cry on if you need a shoulder to cry on if you need anything there's always going to be something that's why I, I try and let people know that if they're ever hurting if they're ever they can come to me and I will be a completely 100% judgment-free zone and if they just want to talk, I'll listen. If they want me to say something, I'll say something. But it's, it's really just a matter of 
knowing that at home I have my support to allow me to do what I have to do at work. And then if I need help going and finding that elsewhere, whether it be through therapy, whether it be through talking with friends, my mother, my brother, it, 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 you just talk. Absolutely. Have you, have you always been like that? I mean, have you always uh, allowed yourself to become vulnerable and open and, and talk about no, your challenges? I don't think so. Um, I think losing my father definitely uh, is the turning point in which I want to get the word out there that if you need help, you need help. Um, uh, and I know the consequences of people that don't. I, I know what happens when people don't seek out help and it scares me. Um, so I don't want anyone to ever feel the way that I felt. So I want to do whatever's in my power to just be there for someone who might need to talk. Yeah, I, I, I totally hear that. Um, you know, I, I much the same for me. I mean, you know, we're, we're, I think too, like when you're younger, um, you're just kind of invincible and, uh, you know, couple that with, the the programming and narrative that comes along with working in professional kitchens and you're, you know, you're not really allowed to be tired. You're not really allowed to, um, you know, feel depressed or, or have any life, issues. Life always gets, he also gets heavier as the older you get, the sure. older you get, the more responsibility you have and the more overwhelming it can become. And if you don't ask for help or take a second to breathe or go work out or whatever it is you need to do for you, it can, it can snowball really quickly. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I, I, I definitely have personal experience with that um, and, and know how that could happen. Um, you know, last, last couple of years for me have been very uh, eye-opening. And um, I, I think I, I finally know now what self-awareness is. Um, and before it was just, you know, putting that tag on your emotions very broadly uh, without really understanding you know, the consequences of how we work sometimes and, and how we get so hyper-focused on goals um, that we ignore a lot of signs uh, in ourselves along the way. Um, so I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, with regard to the decrease in interest in our profession that we're seeing, um, because that's, that's what I think it is. I, I think a lot of people left uh, obviously, you know, two and a half million plus workers, uh, restaurant workers left the industry in 2020. Uh, we're not seeing an uptick. Uh, I think we're, we're, uh, you know, dispelling any, any thoughts or theories that unemployment or, you know, some of these things that people are throwing out there might not be the primary driver to people not returning to the industry. Um, what do you think needs to happen? Uh, and, and what do you think uh, on, on a local level and a global level to kind of revive interest in our profession um, to ensure that we have applicants coming in the door in the future? Honestly, all of our employees short of one has come from another industry. So I think what it comes down to is first and foremost, offering a salary and offering your employees to have a living wage and creating and hiring the right people, good people who, you know, will take care of people have that kind of service oriented mentality in them and teach them and teach them. Cause I think, I think, yes, there are a lot of industry vets who left, but it's because they were burnt out in the industry. But I think there are a lot of people in other industries that are burnt out on their industries that are looking at ours being like, man, if they paid a little more, I might be willing to go try. I might be willing to go test the waters with that. And that's kind of what we found. We've, we've gotten, yeah, one of my guys came from a hospital. I've had other sorts uh, service oriented fields, but not the restaurant industry. So it's, I think, allowing people to know that they can work in an environment that will be fun, will be respectful, and will take care of them. And you're going to find the people. And you also just got to realize it might take a little while. So hire the right people. Don't just bring in bodies. 
hire the right people, pay them well, and they'll be with you forever. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all that. Uh, it's, it's, it seems to be that, that, you know, the environment and, and what you have to offer, uh, is really, is always going to be the draw. Um, and, and I think that's, I I'm, I'm with you there. I, I know it's going to get better. Uh, I'm, I'm also, you know, uh, perpetually optimistic about things. I am so. too. I'm an eternal optimist. I, yeah. I, I can look at a problem and in the grand scheme of things, I'm healthy. My kids are healthy. My wife's healthy in the big picture. The world is okay. I just got to get through this little spot, figure out how to do it and we'll get through it. Absolutely. Um, so two pieces of advice that I'm going to ask you to provide, uh, one, um, if, if you were able to send a, a, a public service announcement to um, either younger people who are on the fence about entering this profession because of what they've seen and heard, or uh, like you said, people who are in another industry looking at us, thinking they might be interested, what kind of a, a message would you want to send those people who think that maybe it's a bad idea to come over here? I mean, I love this industry with every ounce of my being. Um, I really, it really breaks my heart when you hear these older chefs when they're like, what would you give, what advice would you give to the younger chefs? It would be, don't get into this industry. I want to flip that on its head. I want to be like, get into this industry. Yes. It's freaking awesome. You yeah. get to play with fire. You get to play with knives. You get to put miles on peace, people's faces. You're finally making a living wage and the hours are getting better. The, the job itself is getting better. And I think, I think COVID helped us progress the cooking environment 10 years for the better. Um, and it's just going to take a little while for people to get in there because there are going to be restaurants that are going to pop up with great, amazing people that you should go work for. You should go work for Angelo at Ivy and you should go work for Christian over at Maya. You're going to learn things from these amazing men and these amazing female chefs all over the world. So if you look, you will find the right place for you. You'll find that environment in which works for your brain, works for your body, works for your soul. And, and it's just going to be fun. Yeah, that, that should be uh, a commercial for every culinary school uh, and 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 our industry, just to, to, to I, I I'm I'm with you, and I think uh, that level of excitement is what we need to put out there more. I, I don't think there's enough marketing for that. Um, cooking I, is, I fun. It's fun. It is fun. It's fun. When you're sitting fun. there cooking with your kids on a Sunday afternoon, baking pancakes, that's freaking fun. You can have that same environment and that same and feeling in in a professional kitchen now. Uh, you don't have to be scared. Right. And your, your excitement, you know, our excitement as chefs, the, the, the playfulness that we have when we come up with concepts and, uh, you know, I mean, you're a chef and I'm a chef and you created these chicken skin sliders. Uh, and I came in and I sat down in a stool and I took a bite of this thing and I, I felt your excitement. I felt your playfulness in that sandwich. I got, you know, excited about what it was that was in front of me. And, and that, you know, that always comes through. We have a tremendous, uh, you know, a, amount of privilege, I think, in being able to provide such a, a pleasurable experience um, in people through food. Uh, and, and man, I, I, I never take that for granted. And, and that's, mm -mm. What, that's what keeps me going. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, one more piece of advice here that I would ask for, because uh, you mentioned the 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 older chefs uh, and their viewpoint on things sometimes, um, and and then there are some you know longtime chefs uh, or maybe even you know mid range uh, tenured chefs that are ready to throw in the towel. I speak to a lot of chefs all the time, and I, I have coaching clients that are at the edge. Um, and, and one of the messages that I recently tried to put out there was, you know, don't confuse your profession with your job. Um, you know, your profession is what you fell in love with. Your profession is what you love unconditionally. Uh, your job might not be providing 
what you need to thrive in your profession and have that passion. But, you know, don't skip out on, on, on the, the profession just because of the job. So what, I mean, what kind of message would you send to uh, the chefs that are saying, don't go in the industry. It's not the same. The generation coming up is not the same. I mean, what, what, what would your message be there? Get the hell out of the kitchen. You don't deserve to be there if you're not going to treat the next generations with respect. Like, just get out, leave. The industry will be better because you're not in it. If I'm going to be completely blunt. I love it. I love it. I think, I think you're right. I think, I think we need to be completely blunt and uh, there's, there's nothing but truth there. Um, and, and that's it. You know, the, those, those are the, the individuals I think that, that need to make a, a hard decision and, and maybe move on. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've asked questions like, uh, you know, have you ever felt lost uh, in your in your profession? Have you ever felt a little bit confused about your direction? And I, I actually got into it uh, in, in DMs with some guy who was like, if you feel a little lost in your profession, then you need to go. And it's like, ah, uh, no, know. you can feel you can feel <laughs> lost. But if you're one of those chefs that are making those next generation feel lost, you're the problem. You are allowed to feel life. You're going to feel lost. You're going to feel sad. You're going to feel high. But if you find an environment in which allows you to feel all those emotions when you need to feel them, that's the place where you're going to find the most joy working. Yeah. Amen. Um, Well, cool, man. Uh, So Harrison Keevil, Multiverse Kitchens, uh, if you are in or around uh, the Charlottesville area. It's in McIntyre Plaza. Um, check them out. Uh, you got to go, whether you, whether you go in person or you you get their delivery uh, or takeout, um, however you want to do it. If you do not live in the Charlottesville area or surrounding area, you should make a trip from wherever you are uh, to try his food because it's it's that good. Um, and he's, he's an inspiring, inspiring guy, inspiring food. Uh, he's got a model that is, is a winning formula that, that I think, uh, everybody needs to see and experience. Um, you can check out the website, multiversekitchens.com. You can follow on Instagram at multiverse kitchens. Uh, any other, any other things you want to throw out there as far as, uh, if you are in different cities, give us time. We're coming to you. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you, you, you might not, you might not have to make the trip right away. Uh, it sounds, sounds like there's some, some big things coming and you can see, um, over Harrison's shoulder there, there is some merchandise. Uh, I don't have all of them yet. I've, I've started with one and I'm going to, uh, work my way through the collection there, but each one has, uh, all the brands and, and really cool logos. Um, so you can, you can check, you can get those online as well. Is that right? Yeah, you can get those online. Um, we're working on figuring out how to be able to ship all that stuff and hopefully have that up and running soon. Awesome. Uh, well, cool chef. Uh, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us on kitchen brain today. Um, it's been, it's been a real pleasure learning more about, uh, how, how you came up with this concept and, and your perspective on things, uh, really do appreciate it. Best of luck to you and your team. And uh, I look forward in the very near future to uh, at least a few more chicken skin sliders. Uh, and, then I, and then I have to start trying uh, other stuff on the menu. Um, thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you. It's been an honor. Kitchen Brain.